Hey, this is Stu from Bitcoin and Financial Independence. And real quick, make sure you listen to the end of today's episode because we're doing a giveaway and it's going to be a drawing. And I want you to make sure that you can enter into that drawing and know the criteria for that. I've got a special guest on that I'm going to be collaborating with, uh, Mr. Bitcoin Beast, and grateful that he was able to come on the show. But anyway, just make sure you enter that drawing and listen to what you need to do to be considered for the prize. And with that, we're going to start getting into the interview. Today, I'm talking to a new friend I met, Mr. Bitcoin Beast. Hello. I don't know if he wants to go by something other than that, but... And, we can go with that. Okay, <laughs> we can cut that if we want, but Mr. Bitcoin Beast is here, and we met in person a few weeks ago, and we just wanted to have a conversation, so... Yeah. yeah I wish we could have just had the conversation we had a couple weeks ago recorded. That would have been a you know, gold podcast right there, but this happened since that conversation. Yeah, a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, we're just going to have a conversation and your podcast is is new. It's called Bitcoin for Everybody. Maybe you can share what you're doing both with your podcast and on Twitter, what you do there. Yeah, so basically I started this Twitter uh, a few months ago now and it was really just an experiment for me. Like I wanted to play around with the Lightning Network and so I just made a Twitter account. My first tweet was something like drop a... I forget what it was, like a hundred Satoshi lightning invoice and I'll pay the first 100. So I just started doing that and, uh, I was just really, was amazed at how quickly, uh, I got responses and how quickly the account grew and, and the reach that, that the account has had. Like, uh, like occasionally I'll post a, a tweet saying to just, just tell me what country you're from and then I'll get within 10 minutes, I'll get like over hundred comments from people in like over 50 countries. So, uh, it's just really shows the rapid growth of, of what the lightning network is doing. Um, because it's this new thing where you can send the money instantly across the border for free. And it's really amazing. Um, and I, you can send, you know, as little as uh, Satoshi, which is what, well, like a 20th of a penny or something like that, um, instantly for free, or you can send a million bucks instantly for free. Um, and yeah, just try doing that with any other type of payment rails. And it's not possible as far as I know without the lightning network. So anyway, so yeah, I've just been every day I, I give away about 10,000 Satoshis, um, and just trying to promote the adoption of Bitcoin and the lightning network. And then, uh, initially when I started the account, I wanted to, uh, you know, eventually make a podcast, uh, cause I just, I love talking Bitcoin and I, I think it would be just awesome to have a podcast and um where i get to interview people like yourself and you know just people in the industry and just talk bitcoin and maybe one day make a business of it i mean we'll see so that's what i'm doing i've, I've got one of the interviews so far i interviewed uh brian DeMint. he's the author of the amazon bestseller actually called bitcoin evangelism and it's a great book brian's a great guy highly recommend checking him out and checking his book out Pretty interesting. So 10,000 Satoshis a day, though. It's amazing. You're saying you'll, you'll pay people, you know, like 100 Satoshis. That's two cents. It's amazing what people will do, you know, for those two cents. They're just, obviously, it's pretty quick to make an a invoice on the MUN wallet or the Blue wallet or wherever you make it. But yeah, it's funny. You've gotten a ton of followers. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interactive thing. And I, I really enjoy paying these invoices. And it's like nothing. Like, it's like a... You know, 10,000 sats a day. It's like a can of Coke a day that I'm paying two bucks a day. But yet I can spread that to, you know, a hundred people 
200 people. Um, and, and it really does, you know, because some people, you know, a hundred sets isn't anything to most people in the U S but, you know, people in their old, old countries, you know, a hundred sad actually, you know, means a lot. Yeah. Um, when you, when you talk about people living off less than a dollar a day, you know, exactly. even two cents, you're, you're, uh, making a difference. So. Exactly. And, and then of course, you know, as Bitcoiners, we think those, you know, sads will be worth much more one day. Um, so ideally, I hope all my followers huddle the sads that I, I spread to them, but yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. And so it sounds like, you know, we both are just into Bitcoin and we just want to share what we know and guide people, coach people, point to some good resources. And that's kind of what we got going on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the most important thing happening in the world right now. The um, emergence of Bitcoin um, it's needed now more than ever, especially yeah. when I guess we could get into all the FTX stuff. People that don't understand Bitcoin fully may associate Bitcoin with all this stuff that's been happening over the past few weeks, like FTX, um, fall of FTX, fall of Celsius, Voyager, all these places that have our crypto companies. Um, but that, that, that doesn't mean that because those companies are bad, that, that Bitcoin is bad. Bitcoin is actually the opposite of these things. Like the whole reason that these companies are getting in trouble is because of the same thing where banks do now it's fractional or banking and it's, it's unhealthy and it, it can't last. Um, and so with Bitcoin, you know, you just, if you understand it and you hold it securely, uh, you can sleep like a baby at night. You don't have to worry about it. wake up one morning and, and then I'll be in there. So, yeah. And, and I keep seeing the thing going around where, you know, the whole point of Bitcoin was to eliminate the need for trusted third parties. But obviously when you buy from an exchange and you leave it there, you're depending on these trusted third parties and whether you expect that happens, they, they steal your money. Same thing with the bank. You know, you, you touched on fractional reserve banking and, and obviously fiat currencies, it's just all, you know, if you think, um, FTX was a Ponzi scheme. I, uh, I'm a little worried about, do you, do you know how the dollar works? So, yeah. um, but exactly. those trusted third parties are essentially stealing money from you by printing money, by causing inflation. So anyway. Exactly. I mean, like what would happen if your, your local credit union or, or even your Wells Fargo or Chase account, what would happen if everybody rushed to withdraw all their money instantly in the same day? Like, do you really think they have all of those dollars just sitting in reserves available to withdraw? Probably not. Exactly. Yeah, I've heard something that I'm not sure. I'll have to fact check the statistic, but I, I think it's roughly accurate. Like every $100 you deposit at a bank, um, $96 of those are lent out. So they're really only holding like four of your $100 for you. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and I know Christmas is coming up next month, so when people watch the movie It's a Wonderful Life, I've actually never seen it, but there's a bank run in there. Exactly, yeah, there is. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I should yeah. watch it this year for the first time. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, yeah, I guess that's my takeaway. Like, self-custody. Um, how long did it take for you to get into self-custody? Because it took me four years into the journey. Um. So I first got into Bitcoin in June of 2020. It really wasn't until probably 
at least a year later that I finally got a cold storage Bitcoin wallet and withdrew my Bitcoin to, to there. Because um, I, I was on Celsius, I was on BlockFi. It was tempting to be able to, you know, earn 6% or whatever on your Bitcoin and seeing that passive income come in every week or every month. And, you know, it just feels good. It feels like you're, you're in a passive income and you think, you know, if I keep on doing this for long enough, I'll eventually just be able to live off this passive income. Then what you learn, it's that that money wasn't really there. It's essentially, it was just, you know, like, what is it, Matthew McConaughey saying, the Wolf of Wall Street is like Fugazi, food, whatever. It's, it's not there. It's paper. And, and if they operated on a Bitcoin standard, none of this would have ever happened. Everything has happened over the past few months, especially the past week with FTX. I think it's definitely done some damage. It's definitely a setback and has probably slowed down adoption in general a little bit. But long term, I think it's actually a very good thing. Hopefully people now understand why these toxic Bitcoin maximalists are the way they are. And it's because, I mean, yeah, they were telling the truth. Like by saying, they, you know, not your keys, not your coins. And now you see why. Yeah, tons of Bitcoin is leaving exchanges. There's a record number of wallets that have more than one Bitcoin now. So it's it's interesting to, to see the aftershocks of it. But I know some people just get scared and they just sell. So paper hands. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, um, but so you self custody and I think you do multi sig with, with Casa. How's your experience been with Casa? So yeah, Casa Casa is it's been great. Um I actually I got a fold card, you know, um, which I highly recommend if you can get a fold card, you get a fold card. That's it's awesome. And with my fold card, I got it, I don't know, over a year ago and I got like a free subscription for Casa for the for a year and I just downloaded to check it out. And sure enough, yeah, just having your Bitcoin on a on a Bitcoin wallet like a ledger or a treasure or a cold card is, you know, ultimately like you can sleep well at night with that and know that you don't have to really don't have to worry about getting hacked or stolen or lost or anything. Um but there is the I guess the anxiety that comes with what happens if you lose that that wall, that device, or, I mean, if you lose a device and you have your backup phrase, then you can just restart it on a new device. But what if you, what if you lose your, your seed phrase? Um, you know, what if somebody else finds your seed phrase? Um, then yeah, it's, it's a, it's a single point of failure. So with multi-sig, uh, it's, it's no longer a single point of failure. So what I have is it's just a basic cost of plan. And I've got my, my ledger has one key, my phone holds one key and it's, it's secure. It's like bagged by the iCloud and then a okay. uh, coffee holds one key. And so to approve a transaction, you have to approve on two of three devices. And so it's just ultra like, so if I lost my ledger, uh, I'm so good because I can still send my Bitcoin. If I lose my phone or I, I get a, an Android, I, I, I'm so good because I've still got my ledger in my, in my, in my, uh, Casa recovery keys. If Casa goes, then it's still good because they give you like the, the instructions in the unlikely event that Casa ever does go out of business, how to still recover your Bitcoin. So it's just, it just really takes the anxiety and worry out of securing your Bitcoin in self-custody. Yeah. Casa, that's interesting just because I didn't realize that one of the keys is an iCloud. So make sure you have a good Apple password, right? Yeah, it's something like that. It's like bagged up on the, on the iCloud and you, you got to make sure that you do have a secure 
password on your phone. And, and again, even if it, somebody did hack your iCloud, that's they can't still can't do anything to your Bitcoin unless they find also find your your Bitcoin wallet and know the password to your Bitcoin wallet, or if they also know the, like your security questions. Also, Casa holds a key, and it's not like they just hold a key. Like you just say, "I lost one key." What's the other key? They, they have security questions that you have to answer for them to um, to sign off on the Casa recovery key. And there's also a delay. Um, the, so the Casa key is like a, is essentially supposed to be like your backup. You know, you only use that if you lose your Bitcoin wallet or you you get a new phone or lose your phone. Um, and so there's actually a seven, I, th I think it's seven days if you have to use your Casa key. Like it, the, the transaction won't actually go through for seven days. Um, and it'll like send you an email and notify you. And so in case something crazy happened and somebody got a hold of your iPhone account and your New Year's questions to your Casa recovery thing, then you still will get the, the email saying this, you know, if this wasn't you, cancel it immediately. Yeah, that so. sounds uh, sounds like but, a good solution. Yeah, I don't have any worries with my Bitcoin on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we talked about. Um, I mean, I do the Unchained thing, but I have two devices, and I I engraved my seeds into uh, crypto tags. You know, Casa has the app versus Unchained Capital does not. Um, Casa has a annual subscription fee versus Unchained does not. But if you need to use one of their keys to sign a transaction, then they they charge you twenty bucks. So there's a few differences in the in the cost setup that the yeah. fee structure or however they these companies make money, but both are really a good solution, I think. Yeah, that that is the one downside to Casa, the multi sig subscription is there is that fee. It's like a hundred bucks a year, which does suck. But um, you know, I I, th I think it's worth it to just have the smooth interface and and to just eliminate that worry. But the Unchained something I'm also going to look into though. This, I think it's very nice that they don't have the the annual fee, which turns a lot of people off. So yeah, if you're if you want multi-sig but don't want to pay an annual fee, Unchained seems like the way to go. And yeah, if you have to use their backup recovery key, then it's twenty bucks, which is super reasonable. Yeah, pros and cons to both. And you mentioned the fold card. I, I have it too. I actually just figured out last night I went on to PayPal Bill Pay and I figured out how to pay my Discover card and my some of my Chase cards with the fold card. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Like yeah. You can earn nearly 5% back in Bitcoin on everything. You can get the 2 or 3% back, whatever, on your regular credit cards and just use that, those rewards to buy Bitcoin. And then you can get another 2% paying off the credit card on your fold cards. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you have as much conviction in Bitcoin as we do and you think you know where it's going, like, I mean, eventually everything that you buy will be free. <laughs> Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, I, I spend on credit cards maybe 2000 ish a month, just mm -hmm. my normal gas, groceries, uh, eating out, just just whatever, um, yeah. subscriptions. And yeah, if I get like 2% back on my credit cards, roughly, or a percent and a half, depending on which card, you know, that's 40 bucks roughly. Yeah. And 2% more with full, that's another 40 bucks of Bitcoin. Plus, I'm paying my mortgage with it. That's another 1250 I'm I'm earning about 2% on. Usually you get enough spins that, you know, if I if I lock in 2%, I'm pretty happy. Full card is awesome. I can't recommend that thing enough. It's well worth the 100 bucks for the premium. But the, my girlfriend has the free version and it's really nice as well. Yeah, even the um, free version I had forever and I just barely yeah. upgraded. Yeah, there's all kinds of sneaky ways to stack as many sets as possible nowadays. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that when we were talking, you kind of listen to a few different people and have learned from different people than I have. 
So I thought it'd be kind of fun to, you know, share who we who we learn from and and follow because there's some really good thought leaders, I guess you could say, in the Bitcoin space. But I just remember you talking about Jeff Booth and Preston Syke, or I don't know how you say say it again. It's Preston Pish. (laughs) Yeah. So Preston Pish is actually the guy that Orange told me originally. Um, I, I come from a value investing Warren Buffett style approach to investing, and you know, Warren Buffett wouldn't touch Bitcoin with like a 10 foot pole. And so I had heard about Bitcoin before, but because Warren Buffett didn't, you know, I think you'd said this too, but because Warren Buffett didn't like it, you know, I didn't like it either. But yeah, so Preston Pitch was, was also a Warren Buffett disciple and he discovered Bitcoin. I forget exactly when he discovered it, but around sometime in 2020, I think he started, um, he's a host of the Investors Podcast, which is a very successful investing podcast. And he kind of branched off and started making this podcast called the Bitcoin Fundamentals underneath the Investors Podcast umbrella. So I started hearing, and I listened to the Investors Podcast, and I started hearing this guy press and talk about Bitcoin all of a sudden. And I thought that was kind of odd being on a value investing podcast. So you really just fell down the rabbit hole. I started listening to a lot of podcasts like every day. This was during the COVID uh, lockdown, so I just had all the time in the world. I would just like go on walks and like, like for like three hours and just listen to two or three podcasts and, you know, read all these books. I'll say it wasn't until later that year, like in December of 2020, when I got fully, like totally orange-pilled. And that's when I started listening to Michael Saylor. Like I understood Bitcoin and why it was such a good investment, but it was I wouldn't say I was fully orange-pilled until um, the Saylor series on Robert Bielow's podcast. It's an excellent series. I know you said you're you're getting through that right now, but it's just awesome. Yeah. Next up, I'm on episode eight. So I'm trying to go back through Robert Breedlove's um, historical episodes. And that's what he started with was the Sailor series. So yeah, really good stuff so far. And actually, um, Michael Sailor was on Tucker Carlson. And I sent that to my father-in-law and and he listened to it with my mother-in-law. And, you know, she's not into Bitcoin, really. She, I'm sure she doesn't have the technical knowledge or really understand it, but she sat there and listened to it while he was there. You know, they're just listening in the evening and she was doing whatever. And she was like, huh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Of, you know, why Bitcoin is good. So <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, he's got an extraordinary ability. Like the dude's a genius. He's probably like, <laughs> he might be the smartest person I've ever heard speak, like IQ wise. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's got a photographic memory because you can just, you can, if you ever hear him speak, like he can reference instantly like any point of time in, in history pretty much and know exactly what was happening at that point of time um so this is just crazy smart and has a really good ability to uh simplify things and make them plain for the ordinary person to be able to understand them so he's awesome if somebody's like trying to get into learning about bitcoin he's normally the the, the first guy i would recommend um checking out yeah that's i mean what i was impressed with was like you said, the way he teaches about Bitcoin, when I listen to the Sailor series, it's like three episodes before you even talk about Bitcoin. And they're talking about Roman boats and how they stole <laughs> designs and yeah. and like hydraulics. They're talking about using water and to, to use energy and, and overcoming gravity and all these random things. I'm like, okay, how does this tie into Bitcoin? And it finally starts to paint this bigger picture of just harnessing energy for higher and higher purposes. Really interesting stuff. And what's funny is, so... 
I'm actually, I work in IT. I, I do data stuff. I used to do business intelligence and MicroStrategy. Like his company is, they make a reporting tool. If you've ever heard of Tableau or Power BI, MicroStrategy competes with that. And so I just thought that was interesting just because I've worked with very similar products to what his company makes. So um, he's so into Bitcoin, but you know, his business has little to nothing to do with it. It's just uh, basically a computer analytics company. So kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, he's just uh, on top of, you know, running a really successful uh, you know, software business. He's also just a really good, great investor. Like he, um, all these, like he, he kind of, have you ever heard the, the stories about him with the domain names? Oh yeah. Like he saw the domain name thing coming and he bought exactly. so many good domains and sold them for millions, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He, he uh, so yeah, he, he, he saw what the internet was going to become before, you know, everybody else did. So he, he you know, built this company when he, like when he was like 24 or something like that around, you know, the internet. And then he, yeah, he saw all that everybody's going to be using the internet. So he bought up all these domain names and yeah, later so, sold some of them for like tens of millions. It's like then, single words, though. Like he, I think he has Michael.com and yeah. hope.com. A lot, a lot of words that we could come up with. He, he's probably owns a domain name, but See, um, yeah. And there's like so many domain names taken that when you want to start a business, it's almost mm -hmm. like you have to use two words now. Like even my website is get Bitcoin Fi. Um, I can't just put Bitcoin Fi because someone already took it, or it's like try lemonade insurance or something, get lemonade. You know, you have to have two words now because all the single word ones are taken. Yeah, that's because Michael Saylor saw that everybody eventually was going to need that, and so he bought them all up. <laughs> yeah, people like that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, And he did the same thing with, uh, you know, the like the mobile wave. Like he wrote this book and, you know, 15 years ago or so called the mobile wave, really before smartphones even really became mainstream. You know, he wrote this book about how they were just going to change everything, um, and and like he had recognized Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, like all these stocks that were have been like the top performing stocks over the past decade. Like he was in those things super early, and obviously your past performance isn't indicative of a you know future performance, but he's he's made some good bets uh, in the past. And this is his biggest bet, bet yet. Bitcoin is by far his biggest bet yet. Like he is basically risking his whole reputation, his whole career, his whole company on Bitcoin because he's got that much conviction. Yeah, like, he's like he's, he's levered he's, into it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that's another topic. I wouldn't say the ordinary person should use leverage to to get into Bitcoin, but he's in a unique position with his company. He's majority shareholder, so he can just pretty much do what he wants. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway. And then, then you can be with this other guy that I talked about that I think is one of the best people to follow in Bitcoin. Um, he's also brilliant. You can tell by the way he speaks just how how smart he is. But the reason why I like him um, is that he's so empathetic and is really good at, like, he doesn't judge people. Like, a lot of, one thing, another thing that we talked about is there's this kind of, like, toxic sissy in the bitcoin space like people that uh understand bitcoin entirely you know kind of especially you see it on twitter just having to see to be kind of uh aggressive and dismissive and like condescending towards people that don't understand bitcoin like you know you idiot how can you not understand this like have fun staying poor stuff like that which if we really want to promote adoption you have to do it through a 
positive way. And that's one thing I talked with Brian DeMint about um, is how, how to do that. Like his book is literally called Bitcoin Evangelism. It's like, yeah, evangelize for Bitcoin like you evangelize for Christianity. You can't do it with force. You got to do it in a positive way. And so Jeff Booth is, is excellent at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not one that I've really followed, but I know he has a series. There's a booth series on Robert Breedlove's podcast coming up after I finished Michael Saylor's. Yeah. And Jeff Booth's whole thing is, um, so he wrote this book called the price of tomorrow in 2019 before the COVID, um, everything happened. And, and this book, it, it basically talks about why we should be experiencing deflation. Uh, it's because of the artificial, you know, money printing and low interest rates from the central banks. That's the only reason why we have inflation because technology is growing exponentially. Technology should be making things, you know, faster, better, cheaper, more efficient, which should be bringing prices down, which should increase everybody's quality of life. But because of the manipulation from central banks, prices are going up while, you know, real wages are not going up. So that's why you see this wealth gap just getting wider and wider. And Bitcoin fixes that because Bitcoin allows for deflation. Like you save your money in dollars, everything's going to get uh, more expensive over time. Save your money in Bitcoin, everything's going to get cheaper over time. Yeah, that's really interesting with, um, there's a lot to dive into with, why we are experiencing inflation instead of deflation. Some things have deflated in value, like TVs, for example, used to be really expensive to get a big TV. Now it's really cheap. I think even phones have gone down in price. So it's it's interesting to see what's deflated and inflated. But yeah, I think it is all the... the yeah, we could have a whole episode money. on that topic alone. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually kind of... I listened to this thing with Natalie Brunel today, and I'm, I don't really follow her, but she has a podcast called Coin Stories. Yeah, she's awesome um, I, as well. I see a lot of her posts, but I, I don't really follow her that closely. Yeah, she's awesome. She's kind of relatively new. Like, I, I don't think she's really been, I would say in the past year, she's really blown up. Um, yeah, she used to be like a, just, a, I believe, a news reporter, and she discovered Bitcoin all back, and has just kind of walked away from the traditional news reporting, and is now, she's essentially like a Bitcoin reporter now, which is which is awesome, and she's you know, she's got her podcast where she interviews like the best people in the space. And yeah, she's awesome. Um, she's definitely becoming one of the most influential women in the space. Yeah, definitely one to watch, especially there's not a lot of women in Bitcoin. So if you're looking for one to follow, that's that's one of them. We should probably highlight. We have um, another one on the list, Lynn Alden. Yeah, um, Lynn Alden. <laughs> another like you're just listening to all my favorite people right now. Lynn Alden is uh is just awesome as well. She was one of the first people that I really um, started reading a lot of her content about Bitcoin. She has a free newsletter and she, she has a website where she posts really good, insightful articles on Bitcoin and just macroeconomics and economics in general. And the thing I love about Lynn is she is, she is she's also super brilliant, like comes from engineering background. You can tell by the way she speaks that she's super high IQ. Um, but she is like the most level-headed person ever. Like when Bitcoin was just going crazy and when it went like, you know, 6X or whatever over a few-month peri period and everybody had the laser eyes um, and everybody was just just getting so excited and saying, you know, it's going to the moon and everything. Lynn, Lynn was the one that's being calm and not getting too excited about everything. And she's just, she's super level-headed. And um, I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen her 
tweet anything like snarky or like rude or uh she's just very respectful and um yeah she's awesome yeah i like how she approaches it just uh, she seems like i don't really know her background but it's definitely macroeconomics i think she somehow stumbled into the bitcoin space and it just yeah. kind of fits because there's a, but there is a lot of people in economics that you know obviously hate bitcoin too so it's it's really interesting to see yeah. her in on it yeah i mean uh maybe this sounds bad to say but i think if you're in macro and and you don't understand bitcoin or at least you don't understand why bitcoin is needed then you might not actually understand economics as well as you think you do <laughs> because yeah, i don't sadly. see how you could um, look at the macro landscape and and not see the issue there <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i don't know how to help some people but but yeah you know and I think James Lavish, that's another one I had on my list. I just signed up for his newsletter. I just know he talks a lot about the central bank and, and the Federal Reserve and how they work. I'd like to follow him a little bit closer, but um, he's kind of in that macro boat as well. Yeah. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter, and I believe I've heard him on a podcast or two. I know he's a he's a really smart guy, and, and I, I wouldn't say I've researched and listened to him enough to be able to... Um, speak on his unique perspective on Bitcoin. Um, pretty much maybe like five or six people. I get probably like 80 to 90% of my Bitcoin education from these, you know, kind of select people that we've talked about. Um, yeah. And so anyway, but I do know, I can tell from his tweets and what I've heard that he's a smart dude. So I think you said you read books on Bitcoin quite a bit too. I mean, I've only read a couple, but uh, I'd be curious what books that you have explored. So the well, the one, the Bitcoin Standard, that's just kind of a you know a go-to. It's kind of like the textbook <laughs> for Bitcoin. I would say from a beginner, especially somebody that's not doesn't come from an investing background, it's not the most easy to read, and it's not the most really exciting to read but if you just want like one book on bitcoin i would say probably the bitcoin standard because it, it just kind of similar to the sailor series on read those podcasts like it goes a while before he even talks about bitcoin because you have to outlay that foundation for first you have to understand why bitcoin is needed before you can understand what bitcoin is so he just kind of talks about the history of money you know monies that have succeeded monies that have failed you know different financial systems would be on that we've been on and why they failed and uh you know and then he gets into to, to, to bitcoin why bitcoin is kind of like this perfect answer and he, he he pretty much gives you what you need to know um so that's a really good one uh layered money uh is another good one the the price of tomorrow by jeff booth that we were talking about earlier it's it's like a book about bitcoin that doesn't hardly even say bitcoin like i think he may say bitcoin like in one or two sentences in the entire book but if you read that book and you understand why bitcoin is needed um there's another book that Actually, one of my Twitter followers had brought this to my attention uh, recently, and it's, it's, uh, dang, I'm going to have to see if I can figure out the name of it, but I ordered it and read it, and it, it was actually a children's book about Bitcoin, and it's like a kid's, like, picture book, and it's, you know, it, it's like, a, it looks like a kid's book, but I feel like, you know, you could give it to any person, especially somebody that doesn't understand Bitcoin, and, and it would pretty much instantly get through to them. It's so simple that it, that it's so effective. It's just called Bitcoin Money 
by Michael Karras. Uh, it's it's really good. What is the saying? Like, if you really understand something, you should be able to explain it to a five-year-old. And so this book is explaining Bitcoin to a five-year-old, um, essentially. And it's, you know, honestly, it's really, it's, it's a super quick read. And it, I think you could, you know, read it and have a pretty good understanding of the importance of Bitcoin. I think uh, I know what Santa's going to bring my kids this year. <laughs> no, it'll be, they'll be very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to like just order like a, you know, hundred copies of it and take it to like a elementary school. <laughs> They're named to like a bunch of elementary school libraries. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I do. My kids know what Bitcoin is. My my six and four year old because I let them spin the fold spinner every day. Uh, <laughs> I, there's also the lolly treasure chest. I let them yeah earn me like forty satoshis a day. So awesome. Yeah, yeah. get them started young. Yeah, I think every generation of kids is is growing up in such a different age um like so much has changed just since i was a kid um you know i'm only 24 but you know when i was a kid we didn't have like smartphones and youtube and and even the internet wasn't really super big um and so now it's like yeah it's just but but kids you know like you'll see like a two-year-old at at the restaurant on an ipad that's just like has the whole thing figured out and so definitely i think the the younger generation and just younger people in general i think have a better uh understanding of bitcoin because you you understand the importance of digital things like how digital things can have value like that's one thing for a lot of maybe older people um especially people that have been in the traditional financial system for so long have a hard time understanding how something that's digital can have value and yeah i mean kids understand digital things have value that's why they ask for Fortnite bucks or whatever or like you know all these video game credits and stuff so they can have the special weapons and and, and stuff on the, on their video game um not the best example but but you know what i mean that uh i think if this younger generation starts uh understanding bitcoin then the, the future of humanity will just be very positive yeah i i even remember um Planet Money did a podcast about people like in Venezuela, hyperinflation, were playing RuneScape and earning special items and money on RuneScape and using that to that RuneScape money, sending it to people, I guess selling their items to earn RuneScape money, which I don't know. Somehow they were they were getting dollars eventually um via a video game and just like trading these items and playing on their computers because they couldn't trust the the venezuelan government to keep inflation under control and they still can't so they kind of messed up the game of runescape to some degree it sounded like it was it was kind of weird yeah man. for me it's especially like my people that i really want to get to understand bitcoin um they're just you know older people like in their 40s and 50s and even like my grandparents like i want my grandparents to understand bitcoin again it's just hard to for people to grasp the value of digital scarcity. Um, but the next wave of bankers will understand it. Yeah, that, that'll be uh, interesting to see. So uh, I see you have Greg Foss on your list here. But I'm not familiar with Greg Foss. What, oh, what's man. he Greg, all about? Greg Foss is also, he's also one of these guys. It's, you know, he's kind of like sailor. He's very in your face pretty blunt <laughs> like his whole quote i think is like it's it's 11th grade math um and he he comes from a bond uh trader background like he he was a bond trader for 
over a couple of decades and discovered Bitcoin um, because he was just searching for a solution to the fiat Ponzi. And so he discovered Bitcoin has been, as far as I know, pretty much full-time Bitcoin over the past couple of years. Um, and so his, his whole thing is he comes from this unique, you know, bond perspective. So he views Bitcoin as like default insurance on the current financial system, essentially. So, I mean, I could get into that a lot, but basically he, he also wrote a really good paper. Um, his paper is something like why every fixed income investor needs exposure to Bitcoin or something like that, but it's really good. And he, he outlines how Bitcoin is the most risk asymmetric bet he's ever seen because if, if whatever you put into it, you know, the worst you can is it goes to zero, which obviously we don't think that's very probable at all. But just the potential for Bitcoin, um, and I don't really want to say like any price targets necessarily, but just like the potential for the return of Bitcoin is so risk asymmetric that it, like you don't ever see opportunities like this. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the the things I see uh, is that, you know, people say Bitcoin will reprice everything um, for people that think that it'll become the next world reserve currency, uh, which means that basically everything denominated in a fiat currency or government issued money is going to get demonetized while Bitcoin gets monetized. And so kind of like you said, if, if you have a 1% allocation to Bitcoin and 99% to traditional financial assets, as all that 99, all the rest of your 99% of money you have gets demonetized, you know, your 1% Bitcoin allocation will carry that for you kind of thing. Bitcoin will basically absorb and, and become what people consider money, and that's how they monetize things. Exactly. Yeah, so I think more and more people are starting to realize, you know, uh, that you should probably just get off zero, you know, not have, not saying you have to pull a Michael Saylor and like, but. 300% of your company's savings into Bitcoin. But I guess one of the main takeaways from this is like, I could get to the, to the listeners. If you don't understand Bitcoin, like you should have at least, you know, I'd say 1% of your wealth in Bitcoin, because I think, uh, and I wrote a report. Did you see that, that this on the second page of the Google doc that I I'd posted a link to my report? I did. I did not read it. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like 30 pages. So I don't, didn't expect you to read it, but anyway, <laughs> um, I didn't talk in there about like just how, you know, there's these different cycles of like, yeah, the U.S. If you live in the U.S., the U.S. dollar has always been, you know, money. But basically, pretty much everybody alive today, U.S. dollars have always been the money. But, you know, we used to use gold coins. We used to have dollars that we could take into a bank and redeem them for gold. Um, you know, we used to use that way back when we used to use seashells and beads for money. Because like the the average lifespan of a money is something like around twenty seven years. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. I think yeah, I think for a fiat currency, the average lifespan is like twenty seven years or something like that. But for like a a world reserve currency, as longer it's like fifty to hundred years or something like that. So really, no fiat, no world reserve currency has lasted like more than a hundred years. And I mean, the U.S. dollar is really like. Pretty much, it's been the world reserve currency for nearly that long. But it, um, but it did switch to uh, fiat currency in 1971, so that's 51 years. Yeah, exactly. The U.S. dollar has been you know world reserve currency since you know the World War II or whatever. But then what what the U.S. dollar actually was was pretty much redefined in 
71 uh, with it breaking off the gold standard. But um, anyway, yeah, so so basically I, I use a like an analogy in my report. So like people used to use seashells as money um, and, you know, maybe people liked them because of their shape and their color and everything. But, you know, seashells don't make for good money because you can stumble upon a, you know, beach of thousands of seashells and, you know, all of a sudden you're the richest person in town. You can go buy everything. Um, so I said, like, not having any Bitcoin at all right now is like being in the, you know, 13 or 1400s, storing all of your wealth in seashells and then refusing to own any gold. Um, yeah, just in case you're wrong, you should have at least a little bit of uh, of Bitcoin. And one other thing I say in the report is, and this is just something I kind of made up, like, it's probably a good idea to whatever percent chance you think that Bitcoin has uh of becoming the next world reserve currency like should probably have at least that much percentage of your wealth in bitcoin and it's at least a one percent chance yeah yeah that's a that's not a bad rule of thumb so so let's talk about this giveaway um you know you've got this big audience three thousand people on twitter that follow you and that that post memes and guess what your favorite color is or (laughs) things that you do um and you get a lot of engagement. So with all the exchanges going under, we want to help people get their money, get their Bitcoin off exchanges, get it more secure. So we wanted to give away a Trezor Model 1, which uh, retails, I think, for $67. And yeah, that's that's kind of what we want to do just to help people get set up to some degree. So I guess if you want to be entered into that drawing, um, we have a few criteria. We're going to post a link on Twitter to this podcast episode on my podcast. And if you like retweet and then leave a review on Apple or Spotify and post a screenshot of that review, you're going to be entered into that drawing to win a Trezor model one. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, a lot of people probably still don't have uh, you know, a Bitcoin wallet. People are probably starting to realize why they need one. And yeah, free Bitcoin wallet is, is huge. Free Trezor is huge. So. I feel like a lot of people are like seeking safety in Coinbase. A lot of people have said to me just, oh, yeah, I went back to Coinbase from Gemini or from wherever. So, I mean, it, the, the best thing to do is just why even risk it? Like it can be intimidating to set up a Bitcoin wallet, but it's really not that hard. I'm pretty sure like a first grader could do it. Uh, it it's really not hard. There's plenty of YouTube videos that the, the Bitcoin wallet will come with instructions on how to do it, how to set it up. And it's really not that hard. And it's it's well worth the. 60 bucks to not ever have to worry about i mean yeah maybe coinbase is safe maybe you know they're publicly traded maybe they would be the last uh exchange to not have all your bitcoin but why even risk it when you could just for 50 60 bucks you can you know not risk it at all yeah that makes sense and uh, maybe they are one of the last ones standing um maybe not i mean they're out publicly traded so they have you know more transparent financials and supposedly they have billions of dollars on their balance sheet that are backing them. But if you don't have two-factor authentication, if you don't have a strong password, if you are connecting and you happen to check your Coinbase while you're at Starbucks or somewhere and you're on public Wi-Fi, you could, you could get hacked, you know? So it's uh, it's the safest way, but be your anyway, own bank. <laughs> yeah, be your own bank. Yeah. Well, I know uh, we got like 30 seconds on the Zoom, so this was awesome just to chat. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to my interview with Mr. Bitcoin Beast. I hope you enjoyed it. 
it's awesome that I met him in person and we'll probably collab more in the future going forward. So I'm excited for that just to have someone that I can talk about Bitcoin with that's kind of on the same level. We're on the same page on a lot of things. We learn from some different people. We come at it from a little bit of a different perspective and different journey to it. But at the same time, we're about the same depth down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And I thought it was really cool just to meet him. He's got a great following. So if you're on Twitter, make sure that you're following Mr. Bitcoin Beast and, and uh, play some of the games he does to keep stacking some little bits of Bitcoin. Keep stacking those Satoshis. Now, as far as the criteria to be entered for the drawing, I think we're just going to have it be, if you like the tweet, retweet it. And then I'll make it a, kind of maybe an either or, but give me a follow. And then if you want to leave me a review on Apple or Spotify, take a screenshot of it before you submit it because Apple will sometimes have a lag before they actually get that posted on the podcast app. So take a screenshot of that so we can have your username and see that. Um, I've got a bunch of, you know, six to 15 minute episodes. So maybe just give one a listen and give me an honest review. Give me some feedback and let me know what you think. Anyway, I'm excited to be giving away a treasure model one and help someone be self-sovereign, be their own bank. So remember, get your Bitcoin off exchanges, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. And financial independence is doable, and I'll be back with you soon.